Chocolate Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So you know what that means. It's time for another Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan here. Just in my kitchen with my daughter, Grace. She just got done touring with Killing Joke. My wife, Sue, is out promoting her novel, The Velvet Rose. You know, I'm I'm pimping my family right now. Hey, did you hear about the uh, tech guy, that super tech guy who who invented the autocrat and and spell check on your, on your phone. Yeah, he, he died. May he roast and piss. Thank you very much. Bye. I like that one. Can only come from the mind of Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Duff McKagan. Uh, may he roast and piss. I love it. It's uh, great. Thanks to Duff for the joke and for last Friday's live joke of the week when he was on Talk is Jericho. If you missed it, it's one of my favorite interviews. Great guy. Uh, go check out the whole episode. Duff, uh, I went to his house to talk about his new solo album, Tenderness, the Guns N' Roses reunion tour. Great stories. And of course, the live joke of the week. Uh, it was a huge hit as well. Go back and check out uh, Talk is Jericho last week. Go check out the interview that everyone's talking about. John Moxley, the emancipation of John Moxley. We're almost at a million downloads for that. It's insane. And of course, the uh, resurrection of Dustin Rhodes, another huge hit. Lots of uh, choices uh, and lots of fun shows and lots of uh, intriguing, thoughtful shows. And here's one of them. Nothing funny about it. We're talking, though, about a very serious subject and uh, making some rather serious allegations. Our guest is at least my guest is John Barber. He's the producer, director and narrator of the recent documentary, The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. He says there's no way that Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK. He's got evidence to prove it. John's documentary revolves around the investigation conducted by New Orleans District Attorney Jim Garrison uh, into the findings of the Warren report. John's got many of Garrison's files. Let me say that again. He's got many of Garrison's files in his possession. He's been releasing them on his website, John Barber's World, and featuring uh, those in his two documentaries about the JFK assassination. So today, John breaks down Garrison's theory behind the Kennedy assassination, who Garrison believed really killed the president and why they did it. So whether you believe the JFK assassination was a big conspiracy and believe in those theories or not, John builds a compelling and fascinating case thanks to Jim Garrison's findings and provides plenty to think about. Now, if you think John's name sounds familiar, it's because John Barber is also the godfather of reality TV, created one of my favorite shows when I was a kid, Real People. Remember that? And while we don't talk about that as much in today's episode, I'm going to have John back on again uh, in the future to share some stories with the legendary groundbreaking TV series, the first reality show ever. But in the meantime, and in between time today, it's all about the JFK assassination fascination conspiracy theory so let's get started with john barber and get into this now okay so um dave schrader good friend of mine he has uh, obviously beyond the darkness on the jericho network he always kind of gives me tips on certain guests that he, he thinks i should talk to and he said you got to talk to john barber about the jfk assassination now john we do a lot of discussion about conspiracies and about actual hidden news jfk quite a bit uh, discussed but then when i actually looked up john barber I'm like wait a second i know that guy and obviously <laughs> <laughs> you were on one of my favorite shows when i was probably 10 years old real people and doing a little bit of research before we get into everything you actually created uh, real people which was basically the first one of the first reality shows on television it was the very first reality show and i was unemployed the year before It was all an accident, Chris, and I must tell you, all of the magnificent things that have happened to me in my life 
and that is including producing the two absolute definitive films on the murder of John Kennedy and the birth and purpose of fake news, uh, the Garrison Tapes, and the second one, which came out last year and is a monster hit on Amazon, is called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. That came about because of an accidental meeting with Jim Garrison, and this is the only time that Jim Garrison, the DA of New Orleans, who solved the case in 1967, has had a chance to tell his story to the world unhindered by the fake federal government and the fake news. The other thing is that I was fortunate enough to create the first reality show in America called Real People Again, Chris, all these fantastic things that happened to me in my life all happened by accident. But all disasters that happened to me were the things that I planned really well. But the one thing that I planned and only dreamed for all of my life, because I came from a very dysfunctional family in Toronto long before it was popular. I was out on my own when I was about six years of age in Toronto in 19... 39, my father left our house to go to the peace and quiet of World War II. And uncles, uncles came into my house like grapes. They came in bunches to take my mother away and drink and do whatever they did. I was a dropout of high school at 15. I was arrested numerous times in Canada. My only dream was to become an American and the reason for that was I used to live mostly on a rink, in a library, or in a theater. And in the Manor Theater in Toronto, where five cents you could see a double feature, I would see these Frank Capra movies with Jimmy Stewart, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. I wanted to be in America. I came here twice, and I was deported twice. And I came here when I was 17 years of age to be a professional gambler. Now, how does somebody go from that to creating the number one show in America, the highest rated show in history, which happened to real people, how does he then end up becoming the private writer to America's greatest entertainer, Frank Sinatra, for four and a half years, and then become the Boswell chosen by Jim Garrison on his deathbed over Oliver Stone to tell the story of his life? I don't know if it's predestiny, but it was not planned. Uh, do you, do you want to hear how I first met Garrison? Sure, lay it on. It's whatever you ever want to go with it. Let's hear it. Yeah, because it's something that, that, that Americans need to know. In, in 1970, what people, uh, I have to put this in historic perspective. In 1963, when John Kennedy was murdered, a company in America that could only, only, five, only own five radio or five television stations or five newspapers. The worst president in American history was Bill Clinton. In, in 1960, 1996, he signed the Communications Act, which turned 95% of all American media over, over to six corporations, all of them monopolies. When I was on the air in 1970, the first real important show I got was the AM show in Los Angeles. And the reason I got the show is because minority groups in LA, the Chicanos, could challenge a local license. You can't do that anymore. And they used to have a thing called the Fairness Doctrine. 
And they had the fairness doctrine until Jim Garrison got on The Tonight Show and said that the CIA murdered our president. Now, we'll get all, get to that. But in any event, I got into television because of a guy named Jack Parr. I don't even know if you remember yep. who he is. Of course. Jack Parr was by far the wittiest, most charming host of The Tonight Show, better than Carson and Leno and all of these people combined. Mm -hmm. And the reason I loved him, Chris, was because it was the first time in my life I knew that people talked to one another because he would be inter interviewing these interesting people and having conversations with them. And Jack Parr was a stand-up comic, like Carson, did a wonderful monologue at the top of his show. So I decided to do that, and I became very successful. I was Bob Goulet's opening act here in Vegas. I was Bobby Darren's opening act in Las Vegas. I was John Gary's opening act in Las Vegas. I happened to be in Los Angeles one day with Steve Martin at a club called The Ice House working out material. And a fellow named Mario Machado, he was a really good looking, very prominent uh, Latin American announcer in LA. And he said, you know, the Chicanos are challenging ABC and they're gonna stop doing cartoons and they're gonna do a new show. And uh, they have asked me to come down and audition. And I think you should audition. And I said to him, but they want Chicanos and you're the perfect Chicano. And he said, I don't think I could do it. I think you could do it because you, you can talk uh, and, and you can converse with people. You show it by doing that on the stage. So I went down on auditions against 40 people including Mara Machado, and I got the job. And within six months, it became the most popular morning show in L.A. It was called AMLA. We were beating out the Today Show. In those days, for example, I put Muhammad Ali on the, sh on the show for an hour when everybody wanted him in prison or at the end of a rope because he wouldn't go and kill yellow people. But in any event, in I got the show in 1970. Like right. most people... I believed the Warren Report. Why would I doubt the country that I, I got kicked out of twice trying to get into? The country that created Fred, Frank Capra and Thomas Jefferson and John Kennedy and, and uh, Thomas Paine, the intellectual founder of the country. How could I not trust our government? So I believed the Warren Report. In any event, I recall that in 1967, Jim Garrison arrested Clay Shaw, a prominent New Orleans businessman for conspiracy to murder John Kennedy because he was a handler of Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm -hmm. But everybody poo-pooed him. Everybody denigrated him. The media denigrated him. The government denigrated him. Now, I'm a street kid, Chris. And right. so I keep telling my friends, hey, hold it. If the guy's a kook, why doesn't the government get out of his way and let him get into a courtroom and fall on his face? And then quite by accident in 1968, Mort Saul is on The Tonight Show. And Johnny Carson says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm an investigator for Jim Garrison and you should have him on the show. And there's a sudden ovation. And Carson's flushed and he said, well, I'll see what I can do. So anyway, he has him on the show and the CIA and the FBI did not prepare him for, for, very well. And Garrison just totally destroyed him and looked into the camera and said to the public, 
elements of RCIA murdered our president and we will have convictions. Well, that ended the fairness doctrine because the owners of the country look at that and say, we can't have this kind of truth on television right. any longer. He gets into court January 29, 1969, serendipity, the birthday of my son. And he loses accordingly, according to the press and the government, he loses his case against Play Shah for conspiracy. But he didn't lose his case. He lost the conspiracy charge. What he won was the perjury charge. And the government stepped in to stop the perjury charge because, let me tell you something. Well, I'm going to put that on hold. Remind me to tell you something about Clay Shaw and why Clay Shaw would have confessed had there been a perjury trial about his participation, his employment by the CIA, which has since been proven. But in any event, in the second documentary, there is a document dated 1967 where the Central Intelligence Agency is ordering their legal department to get to New Orleans and help Clay Shaw. Otherwise, Jim Garrison's going to get a conviction for conspiracy and that they must sabotage and end the case. And they assign that to NBC, which I'll get to in a minute. So in any event, he loses that trial. 1970, I get the show. Oh, I've forgotten about it. You know, I've got a very, very successful show, really doing well, win my first Emmy. And one day I'm in a bookstore. It's called the Edmonds Bookstore in Hollywood Boulevard. People remember where they were when Kennedy was shot. I remember where I was when I read the truth about the murder. There's a book called Heritage of Stone in this used bookstore. And the title is Jim Garrison. And I pick it up. And I, is this the same guy? And I start to read. And Chris, I'm staggered because the first thing I read about is the fact that he has to take time life to the Supreme Court in order to get the Zapruder film to show a jury in New Orleans. And then there's uh, the only forensic pathologist at uh, Bethesda where they're supposed to perform the autopsy. His name is Fink. And under oath in New Orleans, he testifies there was no autopsy. He said they were not even allowed to look at photographs or x-rays or movies or anything. And if you look at the Warren report, you will not see one picture of one x-ray. You will not see one picture of any anything. All you see is a cartoon drawing of a bullet going through the back of the president's head. I mean, it looked like Saturday Night Live or Mad Magazine mm. had drafted the, had drafted the Warren Commission. I am so startled by what it is that I'm reading that I next morning I decide I'm going to book Jim Garrison on the show. I look up the DA's number in New Orleans. I call and this bass baritone answers the phone. And I said, could I speak to Mr. Garrison, please? And this beautiful voice said, speaking. And I got all excited. I said, Mr. Garrison, my name's John Barber and I just read your book, uh, Heritage of Stone. And he interrupted me, Chris, and he laughed. He said, oh, you must be the other one. I only sold two copies. You had to love a guy like that. So anyway, I told him I was astounded with what I read, and I wanted to book him on the show. And he said, you'll never get away with it. He said, have you ever seen me on American television live? And he said, if I'm ever on, they sabotage me as they did at NBC. 
And that's why they had to give me equal time. When they tried to literally bribe my chief witness, Perry Raymond Russo, to get out of my jurisdiction, which is all in the film. I mean, it's a slam dunking. So in any event, I said, listen, we're live. I'll talk to you for half an hour and then we'll open up the phones. And I'm telling you, everybody will want to talk to you. So I finally convinced him to do it. Afterwards, we were chatting. And he said, you know, John, it's 1970. It's seven years after the murder of our only peace president. That's how we always referred to John Kennedy as our only peace president. He said, do you know that according to the Harris polls, only 81% of all Americans believe the Warren reporter, believe Oswald did it alone. And I said to him, well, Mr. Garrison, with everybody feeling that way, why, why isn't more being said or done? He said, because you'll be shocked by the second question on the poll. I said, what is that? He said, they asked people if they would like another thorough investigation that did not involve the FBI or the CIA being involved in that investigation. And he said only 23%. They did not want another investigation. And he said to me, what does that tell you? And I said, Mr. Garrison, what it tells me is I know what my mother and father did on the pool table or in the rumble seat of the car or in the back alley or wherever they did it to conceive me. But don't ever tell me my mother's not a virgin. That's where the title of the book came from. And then Garrison said to me, you know, Mark Twain said a, a century, a decades ago, he said, it's easier to convince, it's easier to fool people than to convince them they have been fooled. And I'm telling you something, Chris, we have been fooled since November 22nd, 1963. Now that doesn't bring us to real people, but what it does, it brings us to the truth about Jim Garrison. Well, now that we're talking about Garrison, let's just stay here for a bit. So let me just give a quick recap in that uh, Garrison was the DA uh, of, of, of... DA of New Orleans. Of New Orleans. But he was in charge of the Kennedy investigation. Uh, you know, he was the only one, the only one who investigated the crime. The federal government did not investigate the crime. The Warren Commission was set up to not investigate the crime. It's all documented in the film. And why were they why were they not investigating the crime, John? Because they murdered him. Right. The government murdered our president and this is this is the linchpin to every political assassination in this country. I mean it's it's easier to prove that Sirhan did not shoot Bobby Kennedy that it is, is to prove that Oswald did not shoot John Kennedy because of Dr. Thomas Noguchi's autopsy report. Myself and Godfrey Isaacs, who was Thomas Noguchi's attorney, for in, 19, in the 1980s, again by accident, formed a committee to save Thomas Noguchi as the independent coroner of Los Angeles because he had refused to change his autopsy about the murder of Bobby Kennedy. It's now out in a great book called A Lie Too Big to Fail by Lisa Peace. The autopsy, which is also shown in my movie, shows the shot that killed Bobby was not more than an inch and a half from the back of his left ear. And Sirhan was in front, six feet firing blanks. 
And the reason he was firing blanks because the two assassins behind were behind Bobby and would have been shot by accident. It is totally obvious. The murder of the murder of Martin Luther King in in the plot to kill the king by William Pepper is a brilliant book that shows that the gunshot to the throat of Martin Luther King did not kill him. He was smothered in the hospital. That's where he died. I mean, all of these things, Chris, all of these things are so evident, so totally evident. I'm just going to say one thing, and we'll continue here. We cannot have a functioning democracy, according to both John Kennedy and Thomas Jefferson, unless you have an informed public. We have a misinformed public because of something called Project Mockingbird created in the 1950s and supervised by CIA Director Alan Dulles, the planner of the murder of John Kennedy was Alan Dulles. And these people are named in the film with proofs and documents that they were totally involved. And the purpose of Project Mockingbird was to take over the American media, the New York Times, Washington Post, Reader's Digest, NBC, and CBS to create a fake foreign policy of communist threats in Russia, communist threats in Vietnam, terrorist threats in Iraq. All of them were fake wars. Jim Garrison says in the documentary, John, Russia lost 25 million people. Do you think they're a threat to the United States? He said Eisenhower told us what the threat was when he left office. He warned us about the military industrial complex. Russia was not a threat. He said peace was a threat. And we saw the Gulf of Tonkin resolution create that fake war in Vietnam. And we saw George Bush, another war criminal, create this fake war in Iraq with weapons of mass destruction. You have 20 veterans today shooting themselves instead of the people who put them in harm's way. America's a mess. Do you know that politics in America are the potholes on the road to progress and reform in this country? And, uh, you know, I don't like to really get into politics (laughs) because it is just so obvious because my area of expertise I am not a conspiracy theorist, Chris. I'm a storyteller. Right. And Jim Garrison, when, you know, when I talked to him, I put him on camera for three hours at September 5th, 1981, in order to try to tell a story once Real People was the number one show in the country. And it was sabotaged by NBC. And that's why I lost the greatest show in American television, which was Real People. Do you know, we used to get a 50 share when you as a you as a 10-year-old were watching, and there were only three networks at that time. And when I left the show, we were getting 20,000 pieces of mail, and I was making $30,000 an hour. So you're saying that you had one of the only interviews with Jim Garrison, uh, and because you you got that interview, NBC got mad at you and took you off the show? Uh, well, okay, let me explain it in realistic terms. <laughs> It, I, I accidentally get real people on the air. It becomes the number one show in the country. Mm-hmm. And quite by accident, I pick up the L.A. Times and there's an article that says the House Select Committee on Assassinations discovered a disc belt on a motorcycle officer by the name of H.B. McLean, which recorded all the gunshots. 
and they're more than four. Now, even though G. Robert Blakey, the CIA asset who replaced Richard Sprague as the real investigator of the House Select Committee, had no choice but to rule that there was a conspiracy in the murder of John Kennedy and Martin Luther King, and everything was sent to the um, Justice Department, the Robert F. Kennedy Justice Department, as an open cold case to be investigated. It is still there and has never been investigated. It's still an open homicide in Texas and never has been investigated. So I see that and I picked up a phone and I called Mr. Garrison. I've only talked to him twice since he was canceled from my show. Oh, and by the way, when I booked him, I was fired the next day and he was canceled. But I never thought it had anything to do with the government or the murder of the president. Chris, I'm in show business. You know, it's a 13 week job or it's not a job, you know, and I end up someplace else. So in any event, I called Mr. Garrison and I said, do you feel vindicated? And the only time I talked to him before was during Watergate because he had seen me with Carson on The Tonight Show and liked some of my jokes about Watergate. And and during the Vietnam War, we talked about that, but I'd never met him. But when I called him, I asked him if he felt vindicated about the findings of the House Select Committee. He said, John, you know what? I feel like a blind man. They got a small trophy in a dark room, (laughs) only I know I got it. I said, well, I'm gonna come down there and tell your story. And he said, John, I have not told my story in 10 years ever. I don't wanna tell the story again. I said, but I wanna tell it. I wanna tell it as a real people's story. And he said, John, you're the only person who's ever really sacrificed to try to get me on the air, I will happily tell you my story. Come on down. So when I went down there, I also did some stories about street performers for real people. I sat Jim Garrison down for three and a half hours. And here are the couple of things that that pointed out to me. Aside from documents, he showed me the death certificate signed by Dr. McClellan just after one one o'clock. Gunshot to the right temple, cause of death. You can't find it. You can't find it in the archives and you can't find it in the, in the, in the war report. And when I was talking to him, I said to him, you know, Mr. Garrison, did you, how, how did you ever think you could take on the federal government? He said, well, John, first of all, I believe my government. He said, I was with the FBI. I was in the military. I was at Dachau when we liberated those German concentration camps. He said, I believed in authority. I'm not going to believe my government did that or even participated in the murder. He accidentally met Congressman Hale Boggs, the only dissenting member of the Warren Commission whose dissent was never published. And he convinced Garrison that Oswald couldn't have fired that faulty uh, Manilaker Carcano with a site that didn't even work properly. He went before Congress. You look in the congressional record, there is Hale Boggs saying, we have to fire J. Edgar Hoover and we have to prevent the CIA and the FBI for being involved in the investigation of John Kennedy. They must be investigated themselves. And guess what happened to Hale Boggs? What's that? He was driven to the airport to his private plane. His private plane disappeared over Alaska and his plane and his body were never found. And guess who drove him to the airport? Bill Clinton. Really? 
Bill Clinton was CIA ever since he was in college. The CIA sent him to Russia. He didn't go to Oxford. He went to Russia, for crying out loud. And how do you think a guy like this and his wife, surrounded by so many deaths and problems and corruptions and frauds, could be protected unless he's somehow surrounded by this Praetorian Guard that's called the Central Intelligence Agency? Impossible. Absolutely impossible. And these things are all self-evident and they're documented. You know what, Chris, I must tell you, I think my greatest asset as a street kid is that I can see the obvious. And the terrible sad thing is that Mark Twain was right. It's easier to fool people than to convince them that they have been fooled because I just cannot believe my friend, like Tom Brokaw, for example, uh, a couple of years ago, on the 50th anniversary, was doing a documentary on a cable channel called the Military Channel. Can you believe that in the United States? Yeah. We have a thing called the Military Channel. And I said to him, he was doing a thing about Kennedy. And I called Tom and I said, hey, Tom, let me do five minutes on Garrison, Garrison's point of view. And he said, no. He said, no, never going to. He says, Coop. He said, and my first film, The Garrison Tapes, which has had a million views, will never be seen in the United States. I've offered it free to every network in this country and including every assassination site. There are 10 very prominent assassination sites. They won't even take it free because they've all been infiltrated by Project Mockingbird. This country is not the USA. It is the CIA. A lot to, uh, to, to kind of bite on here, John. So. Just to kind of go through it, when you what you just said right there, it's not the USA, it's the CIA, and you know the CIA basically behind the killing of of, of JFK is is what the is what you're basically saying and what Garrison was saying. Absolutely, and he proved it. All I have to do, if you have two dollars, mm-hmm. yeah. First of all, you can go to my site www.johnbarbersworld.com, and you can see the first Garrison tapes for nothing. It's had a million views. The second one, which is called the American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy, is only $2 on Amazon and a runaway hit. And nobody's ever heard of it. It's just word of mouth. So God bless us. Let's hope somehow we can retain some kinds of freedoms in what we call the Internet, which are rapidly, rapidly being destroyed. So I guess, you know, just to hear it from you, why was the CIA behind the murder of JFK? It's so simple. (laughs) He did not want, it all began uh, the day of the Bay of Pigs when he denied air support to the Central Intelligence Agency. Alan Dulles and his assistant, Charles Cabell, whose brother was mayor, mayor of Dallas, he changed the parade route. I mean, they broke every every stipulation and every rule of the of protection of a president when they changed the motorcade route to go in front of the book depository at 11 miles an hour. And there is footage in the documentary of the head of this local C, uh, the local um, secret service removing removing their officers from off of the limousine. You see the guys being waved off. So it, it, it's totally, totally simple. Now, you know, I don't really like 
to talk politics because people just do not want to look at the truth. The fact that the truth is their mother is not a virgin. It, it's, it's obvious. I mean, you can't, as much as you may love the country as I do for crying out loud, you can't say that Iraq was a just war. It's not. George Bush is a war criminal. And, and Lyndon Johnson is a war criminal. And, and when you see the documentary, The American Media, The Second Assassination, you will see that John Kennedy had ordered the withdrawal of the 12,000 advisors, 1,000 a month, uh, from Vietnam. And the day before he was killed, hmm. they signed a document reversing it, the day before he was murdered. And uh, 48 hours after he's murdered, Lyndon Johnson sends 50,000 troops to Vietnam. Do you think the American government or any government is capable of assembling 50,000 soldiers and sending him over there in two days? Impossible. Garrison said these things take months to plan. And the planning began the day of the Bay of Pigs when he denied air support. John Kennedy did not, as a matter of fact, John Kennedy wanted at detente, not only with Castro, but he wanted absolutely no Americans involved in fighting in Vietnam. And look where we are now. Do you know, in the film, you will see, do you remember who Senator Frank Church was? No. Senator Frank Church investigated the Central Intelligence Agency involved in the media in the 1970s. It's in the film. He admits they have 400 CIA assets writing the news for the New York Times, the Reader's Digest, CBS, NBC, everybody else, they are writing the news for America to create a fake war against Vietnam and communism. Now, there is no threat by communists anywhere, and yet we have doubled the military budget we had back when John Kennedy was president. Why? Nobody is a threat to the United States. You think Iran is a threat to the United States? Catalina is more of a threat than Iran. Do you think Venezuela is a threat to the United States? Nonsense. What? They are only a threat to the war profiteering by the people that own this country. And we are not the owners of the country, as Mark Twain so smartly pointed out, because he said if voting made a difference, they wouldn't let us do it. Do they have to assassinate Kennedy? Did they have to go to such great lengths? Or was that the only way to shut him down, in their opinion? Evidently, it was the only way to shut him down. There were three attempts. There was an attempt in Chicago that was thwarted, attempt in Miami where he was saved, but they absolutely and totally nailed him in, uh, in, in Dallas. But you know what people do not know? Uh, there's a thing called the Family Jewels. It's a CIA plan to assassinate heads of state. Do you know that uh, Iran in early 50s had one of the greatest democracies in the world? Mm, no. No, you know why? You could be a major in Harvard or Stanford and not learn this in political science. A professor named Mossadegh was elected, a socialist, and he, and he saw the British Petroleum was taking 90% of all the profits of their oil. So he said, I'm going to tear up this contract and we're going to split the profits. And when that happened, Eisenhower ordered Dallas to have him murdered because they were setting examples that were too socialistic or too communistic, so they murdered him. They murdered Salvador Allende in, in Chile. 
because he was going to nationalize AT&T and Pepsi-Cola, which happened to be owned by Richard Nixon. We murder all around the world, and it's all out there in the open. You can find it very easily. All right, let's get back to John Barber and his documentary, The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Uh, John, what inspired you to do another documentary on JFK? You know what? When I started to do part, and I was inspired to do part two uh, of the Garrison Tapes called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy by listening to uh, Donald Trump when he and the other Republicans were running for the presidency and Trump kept talking about fake news. And I thought, God, where did I hear that before? And then I remember it was in the three-hour interview with Jim Garrison. So I went back and I listened to Mr. Garrison. It was like Donald Trump was talking to me. And I thought, my God, I got to tell this story. And so that's, that's how that's how that came about. In the book, the, the book is called Your Mother's Not a Virgin, The Bumpy Life and Times of the Canadian Dropout Who Changed the Face of American Television. The stuff about Garrison and the Kennedy assassination and the unbelievable stuff about my encounters with Bobby Kennedy Jr. and uh, with RFK only make a small portion of the book. Most of the book is about show business. It's it's the greatest rags to riches story. It's a Canadian rags to American riches story. It's David Copperfield and it's Neil Simon. So that being said, let's continue a little bit about Garrison and this case. Now you've heard in as, okay, when I started to do the film, I called my friends in Hollywood who were producers and directors and writers. I said, what's the most important movie ever made in America? Of course, they said Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind or The Godfather. And I said, genius films, not important. Something important, Chris, improves your society. The only movie that has ever done that was JFK. Mm, Gotcha. Oliver Stone's film because it, it it got the Kennedy's Records Assassination Act passed in 1996, and some of those documents are accidentally in my new film. So that was the only important movie. I'm going to tell you right now, the most important movie ever made in America is the American media and the second assassination of President John F. Kennedy. All you have to do, if it's in ten, it's in 10 little chapters, runs two hours long, you sit down one night with some of your friends and watch that, you will be absolutely tone blown away by the absolute truth of everything you see in that film. Now, as a result of the Assassinations Act, which resulted because of Oliver's popular film, excellent film, they are to release the documents. Uh, last October, the CIA was ordered to release the documents by Congress. Did the CIA release them? No. Did Donald Trump order them released with an exe- uh, executive order? And the answer is no, because they said to the president, Mr. President, it affects national security. Chris, how can a murder 55 years of age affect right. national security? Okay, you know what it is they don't want released? Uh, you you must, any idiot knows, not, not, not that you're an idiot, but, <laughs> but any idiot knows the CIA does not have one single document that says this is how we finally killed the son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. 
because they don't talk English. They talk in code. What they do not want released are Jim Garrison's files. There is a fellow named Jefferson Morley, who is an excellent researcher into the Kennedy assassination. For five years, he was in the courts under the Freedom of Information Act to have Jim Garrison's files released. And the judges last year ruled against him and said it was national security. And guess who the judge was? Who? Donald Trump's favorite, Kavanaugh. (laughs) Now with the Supreme Court. You will not learn this on American media and you will not learn this in any history class or law class in any of the top colleges in the United States of America. American schools do not teach people to think. They only are training people to get a job if they can find a job since that horrible president, Bill Clinton, signed NAFTA and sent sent them overseas. So what it is that I have that I have felt to start releasing uh, two and a half months ago, I have 67 boxes of Jim Garrison's files. And I feel compelled to release them so that the American public, this fabulous country, the only country in the world that was ever designed on a system of laws called called the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the country that I fought hard to get into, It is repayment from me to this fabulous country. But anyway, I started to release release the uh, files. And the first files I released were on Clay Shaw because he was the one that was arrested and charged by Jim Garrison. Here's what we found in the files. Countless, countless male homosexual hookers who were paid $20 to be with... uh, with Clay Shaw and David Ferry and and these other people performing their homosexual acts for pay. There was a a professor from Northwestern University whose best friend lived with Clay Shaw for a year and a half, then had a transsexual operation. When he became a she, Clay Shaw kicked him out. But then worse, a fellow named James Whalen is paid $25,000 to murder Jim Garrison. He was given $10,000 up front, $15,000 afterwards. All of this is uh, uh, documented. They're all in affidavits. And and Whalen told Garrison he considered it, not because he needed the money, but because his daughter was deathly ill and that Clay Shaw and the CIA had promised the best medical help in America if they would murder Jim Garrison. Now imagine if Jim Garrison gets Clay Shaw into court for perjury, and now here's a very prominent, successful, respected businessman in New Orleans. Do you think he wants his life destroyed by these $20 hookers? He's going to blab. And if, the, if Whalen is introduced and his documents and testimony are introduced, then Clay Shaw is going to get 99 years in prison. He's going to become somebody's bitch at Folsom or wherever they send him, right? Mm-hmm. No, he's going to confess. So what happens? He conveniently dies of a heart attack. So there are the files on Shaw. You can see them, all of them, up on my site. The next files I release are those of Lee Harvey Oswald. Interesting thing about Oswald is that Margarita Oswald tells Jim Garrison, the guy that came back from Russia, she didn't think was her son. First of all, Mm -hmm. the texture of his hair, the fact that he was too tall. 
because his her son was only five feet seven. The guy that was in the military and Marines with him said he was only five feet seven. He was measured in the Soviet Union at five feet 11. So th there were multiple Oswalds being set up as the assassin. But now get this, the next files released are those of David Ferry. If you read these 84 pages that are up on my site, you don't need to look at my film. You don't need to read it, uh, anybody's book. You will know that Jim Garrison solved that case that afternoon because what he did, he gathered every single bit of evidence he could from the hospitals, from the newspapers, from the reporters, from witnesses about what happened that instant. And, and I must tell you, Don Knotts could have solved that crime that afternoon. It was the sloppiest murder in American history. What was brilliant was the media cover-up, which started, Jim Garrison said, before the assassination. He said they needed the media's help and the person of CBS in order to have the fiction set in before reality set in. Now, one of the things that you see in, in uh, startling is Jim Garrison said, if you have a bank robbery, they set up a um, roadblock in the circumference around the bank. Right. right. The FBI and the CIA prevented a roadblock from being set up by the Dallas police. So there's no roadblock facilitating the criminals and the multiple shooters. And you will see newspaper headlines that say multiple shooters. You've never seen that newspaper headline again. They have all changed or they disappeared. Now, this is the shocker. It says that Lee Harvey Oswald was charged and arrested for the murder of Tippett. Mm -hmm. In every documentary you ever see, you see a newspaper man hold a microphone up to Oswald saying, did you kill the president? And he says, no, this is the first I've ever heard of this. I have that in my movie, but I didn't know where it came from. I thought it was after they brought him in from the Texas theater, but that's not where it came from. Oswald was interrogated for six hours, surrounded by a dozen big, burly Texas cops with Stetsons and Magnums. And in that six hours, Chief Curry said they did not have room for a secretary or a tape recorder. And Lee Harvey Oswald was never asked in that six hours if he ever shot Tippett or Kennedy. And the reason was they were prevented from asking it because if you were 24-year-old Lee Harvey Oswald and these big guys are saying, did you kill our president? Did you shoot Tippett? You're going to say, God, no, I didn't do that. I'm with the CIA. I was sent down here to stop this assassination, which is how they planted him. And I even called the FBI to warn them, which indeed he did. And these are startling facts. And what Jim Garrison did is he found two people who were present in that non-interrogation who testified under oath that Lee Harvey Oswald was never asked in interrogation if he murdered John Kennedy or if he shot Tippett, hmm. which he did too, because it was an automatic that shot Tippett and not a revolver that they recovered from Oswald. So who actually shot JFK then? It doesn't matter who shot JFK. They're just hired guns. Gotcha. Okay, and then also if, when you see the film, for example, to show you how clumsy and dreadful and what a turncoat and a guy who should be locked up, G. Robert Blakey, the head of the, the guy who replaced Richard Sprague. Richard Sprague 
announced when he was appointed that he was not going to hire FBI or CIA. He was going to solve the crime by investigating them. And guess what? The 400 media assets and the congressional assets. We have senators and congressmen or CIA before they're politicians. They got rid of, of Sprague. And you can see Sprague in the documentary. You'll never see him anywhere in America. People don't even know that that guy ever existed. People will learn about their, their government, the things that they really don't want to learn about. They murdered John Kennedy. Now, we have a budget, as I said, that's twice the size of the military budget that Kennedy ever had. Who are our enemies? I don't know. Was that guy in a cave an enemy? Does he have an airplane that he can fold up in that cave? Or does he have a boat? I mean, who's our enemy? Tell me who. We don't have any enemies. They're all manufactured. They are all fake. In order to keep this fake military machine working, as Gorby Dahl warned us about, and as they warned us about, George Orwell warned us about, warned us about in 1984. It's all come to pass. I guess the, the biggest things that come to me, John, as, as we start to wind down is you mentioned that those files should have been released, that the truth should be coming out right now. Could America handle the truth? Could American media handle the fact that the CIA killed JFK? I, I, I think so. But, you know, it's not just a question of hand people, a handful of people coming down. It's literally the whole system. That's what I mean. It, it's 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 hundreds in Congress. It's hundreds in the Senate. It's hundreds in business. They all know it's a fake. They all profited from this these fake wars that are continuing to this day. You know, just it's truly sad. And could could America, you know, Jim Garrison, his tombstone, the last chapter in the movie, and you must. It's only two dollars. Everybody must see this film. The tombstone in the last chapter in the movie is, let justice be done, though the heavens fall. And I feel that way very strongly. That And that's the closing shot of the documentary is his tombstone. It dissolves from John Kennedy's tombstone to Jim Garrison. It's really an enormously magnificently informative and moving film. I think Americans can handle the truth. I mean, this is just a... This country is filled with geniuses, but they don't rise to the top anymore. They used to. They don't anymore. But that's what I'm saying, though. You, what you just mentioned about the whole system crashing down, like basically saying, hey, we've been lying to you, America, for the past 55 years, knowing that, you know, 9-11 is right behind it or whatever else that, that, you, that you feel or know that the American government has, has been behind it just seems like they're going to hold on to this lie forever. Those those files will never be released. Uh, no, but uh, gradually I'm releasing the Garrison files, and the next ones are going to be the balance of the Clay Shaw files, and then a, a fellow named Fred Chrisman, nobody's ever heard of, but Jim Garrison, when I asked him if he was the attorney general, who would he arrest? First person he said he'd arrest is a fellow named Fred Chrisman. So... Uh, there, there is material out there that's just unbelievable. But honest to God, I just know that people, you know, when I screened the movie two years ago uh, at the Texas theater where, where Oswald was arrested, 
300 people there got a 10-minute standing ovation, but 80% of the people there, Chris, weren't even born when John Kennedy was shot. But somehow or another, they know there was a time. There, look at the mystique of John. The most researched thing on the internet are UFOs and John Kennedy's murder. Mm-hmm. So they know somehow, and a lot of people in the UFO community are interested in the murder because they think that the government is suppressing information about UFOs. Well, sure, of course. About Kennedy. So there you go. And, you know, what is so so weird is I really don't like to talk about this that, that much. And I don't know. Somehow, somehow you sparked me. My my. My joy is show business. <laughs> but the thing is, you're obviously very knowledgeable. And I think the connection you have is that you did talk to Garrison and you have these files, which did Garrison give you those files? I got those files from two different sources. Gotcha. And, you know, Harry Connick's father was the guy who replaced Jim Garrison. He orders all the files destroyed, all of Garrison's files. But a, a patriotic policeman in New Orleans salvaged and saved and copied those files. Thank God for that. Have you ever been contacted by anybody official to say, give us those files? No. Okay. No, they, they have them. Oh. <laughs> they, 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 just don't want, they just don't want them out there. And, you know, I have people concerned for my well-being, but, you know, I'm just small potatoes. If I, if I was as famous as I was when I was on the number one show, I would probably have, I would, I would be, you know, November 22nd, uh, every November 22nd should be America's Bastille Day. Mm-hmm. And people by the thousands should be storming uh, the Justice Department and uh, demanding the opening of what is a cold case. And that would that would get to the bottom of it. And you know that in the movie, you will see uh, Jimmy Carter saying that we will never get back to being America again unless we get to the bottom of the John Kennedy murder. And they tried to assassinate him. I didn't know that. Yeah, you, you will, you and you will find the names of the assassins. And when you see the names of the assassins, you're going to fall off the couch laughing. Why is that? Because one of them is named Lee Harvey, and the other one's named Oswaldo. <laughs> and Jimmy Carter says, "I got the message. I've lost control of my government." Do you feel that the CIA is still very much in control in this day and age? Oh, no question. Yeah. They're, they're more so now because we have no real enemies. I mean, listen, Russia was never an em- enemy after they lost 25 million people. As Eisenhower said, peace was the enemy. Yeah, that stopped all the, all the, all the war machines, right? All the, all the revenue from that? Yes, and you know how wonderful America even was during the Second World War? There were probably a dozen convictions of CEOs of major corporations of, for dealing with the enemy, and they went to prison. There has never been a trial like that since the end of the Second World War. And look at all of those who dealt with the enemy with Iraq. <laughs> um, wow. You know, Martin Luther King said in 1968, before they blew his brains out. He's at the Riverside Church in New York, 20,000 people outside listening to him. And he said, I hate to say this. He said, but the largest terrorist organization in the world is my government and the Pentagon. And a year and a half, a year later, they blew his brains out. They have murdered everyone who has wanted peace from the time of Jesus. 
That's a good point. Oh, that's a good point. Um, wow. I guess the last question for you, John, is what do you think would have happened if JFK wasn't assassinated? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. First of all, little known fact. Do you know that at the time of John Kennedy's assassination, if you, let's say you lost your farm in a fire and wanted to borrow money from the bank, it's 21 to 23% interest. One of the little known facts about the assassination is that John Kennedy signed an executive order called 11110. Just look it up. He signed it in early 1962. And this called for the Treasury, as mandated by the Constitution Bill of Rights, to print our money. And they printed silver certificates, which I had. So let's say your farm burns down. Instead of going to the bank, you go to the government, your own government, and you borrow the money, and you only have to pay back one and a half percent. And guess what that happens if John Kennedy lives? The Federal Reserve. Now, isn't that a brilliant name? The Federal Reserve, illegal since 1913. All of your taxes go to paying the interest that the government borrows from these this private bank owned by six families. And that's where it goes. It doesn't go to roads or armies or highways or anything else. But guess what happens if John Kennedy lives? There would be no more Federal Reserve. These six families would now be out on their own with their trillions of dollars. Their orgasm is not money. Their orgasm is control. I, I, I worked with mega millionaires in Hollywood. They had, you know that greed is the only bottomless vice. You can get enough sex. Can you? You can get <laughs> enough to eat, can get enough to eat, but people somehow cannot get enough money. It's gluttony. It is just, it's the only bottomless vice in humanity. And that is what's destroying humanity. And I would assume, too, that if JFK would have lived, the Vietnam War would have been completely different. Absolutely. There would have not been a Vietnam War. There would have been free, people would have been going, you would have had a health plan in this country for every citizen that's comparable to the health plan of every senator and congressperson. You would have had free schooling. And you want to know something? America, I just posted uh, something on my Facebook because of a long trip I just took. I said that politics in America are the potholes to progress and reform in this country (laughs) because I just drove from only Illinois to St. Louis. Then I drove from here to uh, the book fair in Los Angeles. And I'm telling you, my kidneys and my my prostate are shot from hitting potholes in this country. This country is just in shabby, shabby condition. The roads are as dysfunctional as is a society in the politics. Well, John, you, sh- you shine a lot of light today on a lot of different things. And once again, a lot of food for thought here. Because, because the truth is, Chris, you can only be informed with your media. And if Donald Trump wanted to make America great again, he can do what John Kennedy did with a pen or what George Bush with a pen, sign an executive order reversing Bill Clinton's Communications Act and and dismantling these six major corporations that own all our media. Don't let any person or any company own more than seven 
television or radio station, put them back into the hands of the public. Uh, when Kennedy was killed, 1,500. You know, they say it's the public airwaves, but we all know it's corporate airwaves. Mm-hmm. They should be public airwaves. Well, we're public here. Nobody's telling us what to do. So <laughs> thank you so much, John. And uh, and, and let's uh, make another uh, another appointment to talk about real people and all the other cool stuff that you have. Oh, I, I'd love to because I just love telling stories about show business, Chris. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, bye-bye. All right, John Barber's recent documentary about the assassination of JFK is called The American Media and the Second Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And you can watch it on Amazon, iTunes, or Vimeo. It's just $2 on Amazon. It's a fascinating documentary. Whether you believe in the JFK conspiracy theory or not, you definitely need to check it out. And something else you need to check out, Fazia and Incarceration on July 12th. Uh, that's in Ohio, Mansfield, Ohio. Great festival there. Uh, actually uh, recorded at the same location where the Shawshank Redemption was uh, was uh, recorded, was, was, was filmed. That's where the show is going to be. show takes place where the film was filmed. There you go. All right, go check that out. Also, don't forget Fozzie's Unleashed in the West tour this fall. FozzieRock.com for all gig information. We're opening for Iron Maiden in Los Angeles on September 14th at the Bank of California Center, uh, and we are going to continue on all across the West, Denver, Colorado Springs, Grand Junction, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Utah, Crystal Bay, Nevada, San Francisco, California, Sacramento, California, Las Vegas, Nevada, San Diego, California, Tempe, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, El Paso, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Atlanta, Georgia, with Jared, James, Nichols, and Sons of Texas. All information at FozzyRock.com. You can also buy tickets to the VIP meet and greet as uh, we do it every before every show. Uh, it's the best in the business. We play a, a mini set for you, take pictures, meet up with you, greet up with you, come hang with Fozzy before the show. FozzyRock.com, full information. And go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com to come see us on the cruise. 87% sold out. Uh, Fozzy's going to be there. Ric Flair, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, X-Pac, Jake the Snake Roberts, Booker T, Queen Charmel, MVP, Brad Williams, Vicky Guerrero, Shaw Guerrero, the Vaudettes, Jake Jack Slade, Jake Stevens, if you're Conan, uh, Red Cup Jeff, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson, Farewell to Fear is going to be there, Rubik's Cube, Killer Queens, David Spivak Project, Jared James Nichols, Light the Torch, Kick Axe, DDP, Beyond the Darkness, AEW. We're just starting to get... Uh, Get ready to start announcing who's going to be appearing from AEW. It's going to be the party of a lifetime. Do not miss this. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I'm telling you right now, I don't want you to be left on the shore. We are selling out for sure. 87% sold. Only 13% of the cabins left for those of you mathematically challenged. Don't you dare miss it. Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and sign up now. We're leaving January 20th, 2020 from uh, Miami to the Bahamas, and I want you there. All right. I also want you uh, next week, next Wednesday, to be here. Return of the classic album Clash. This time, the return also of the uh, Heaven's Metal podcast that we did. Richard Christie from the Howard Stern Show. Howard Jones from Light the Torch. And Rich Ward, huge Striper fan. That's how we became friends. Striper, Striper, Striper. It's the classic album Clash of Soldiers Under Command versus To Hell with the Devil with Richard, Howard, and Rich. Uh, If you want to check this out, it's going to be great. If you want to have a great weekend, it's going to be great as well. You guys be cool. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget Sunday, Dominion. You can get that on Fight TV. You can get that on New Japan World. Jericho versus Okada. 
Painmaker versus Rainmaker. You want to see a hard-hitting, kick-ass match? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to kick his ass. So we will see you on Wednesday, and we'll uh, we'll rock with you then. So have a great weekend, and we'll see you at Dominion in Osaka. Hi.